0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us in song, wakening our our hearts up this morning. Um, I know I love singing and getting woken up from the malaise of having four children. So it's good to be here again. Um, I know that Kevin is not here. I don't know if that's a good thing, actually. Someone invites you back and then they leave. Um, I'll take it as a good thing, but... It's really good to be here. Good to see you guys again. Um, I think it was like two months to the day that I was here last. And uh, it's good to to worship with you this morning. Um, As Matthew said, we are going to be in James uh, chapter 4. We're going to do the whole chapter. Um, Although the sermon's going to focus on the first 70% of it. Touch on the last part. Um, So you'll You'll, you'll get that. But let's, let's read the text. We'll pray and then we'll, we'll jump in here. Um, James chapter 4. I'm actually going to read to you, um, the end of chapter 3 as well, just because it connects pretty, pretty good with this section here. So we're going to start James 3.13 all the way through 4. So um, James 3.13. Uh, 3, <clears throat> Who is wise and understanding among you? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge there is only one lawgiver and judge he who is able to save and destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. Now, all such boasting is evil. to so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Let us pray, uh, Lord in heaven, we, we know that as we read James, that we, we have this battle of wisdom, uh, earthly wisdom, and heavenly wisdom, and we pray this morning, you fill our hearts to have eyes to see your truth. May your truth uh, work in our heart, work in our mind, and shape us to be the sons and daughters that you've created us to be. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of um, humanity's greatest quests is to gain wisdom. And there are two kinds of wisdom, as James talks about here, two kinds we can seek after. There's Heavenly wisdom, and then there's earthly wisdom. And I read the previous section in chapter 3 to kind of set a good foundation here. Heavenly wisdom is pure. It brings peace. It's gentle and open to reason. It's sincere. It's impartial. It's full of mercy and good fruit. Earthly wisdom, James calls demonic, unspiritual, filled with bitter jealousy and selfish and it's disorderly it's vile so we have one wisdom that brings about peace and the other chaos one heals and the other destroys one promises safety and the other gives the appearance of safety but really in deceit it conceals its danger James is often referred to as the the Proverbs of the New Testament because he borrows so heavily from the style and themes of the book of Proverbs. And when talking about these two forms of wisdom, if we actually look to the book of Proverbs in the first nine chapters, Proverbs actually personifies these two kinds of wisdom. Proverbs calls them lady wisdom, and um, the, the other one has several names, forbidden woman, lady folly, but today we'll call her Lady Strange. Some translations have Lady Strange. I like that translation because it makes her sound like a supervillain. So you have Lady Wisdom and Lady Strange. And these are the personified pictures of wisdom in Proverbs. And so, why do you think that? Why do you think Solomon in his writing of of these, these first nine chapters of Proverbs decides to personify something like wisdom? Why not just Give us the pithy sayings that we're used to in Proverbs. Why create characters to embody this idea of worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom? What does it do for us that these are characters, people almost, that we can think of? I think Solomon does this in Proverbs because wisdom is not informational. It's not gleaned by just reading. It's not just by wielding these these sayings. Wisdom is something that's lived it's relational, it's experiential, it's about presence. It's gray, it's nuanced, wisdom is patient, and only people can be patient. It's not just about knowing the right things, but knowing when to say them, knowing how to act on them, or not to say them at all. And so Solomon, I think in his great wisdom knows this and he chooses to personify this dichotomy and contrast between lady wisdom and lady strange they are people they are knowable and wisdom like people is way more complex than a simple black and white response or answer so in the first nine chapters of Proverbs you have lady wisdom and and lady strange and lady Wisdom's speech brings about truth and insight she urges us not to lean on our own understanding or to be wise in our own eyes. She teaches us to love, reproof, and discipline for those things that are good for us. Lady Wisdom is more precious than jewels, better than gold and silver. Her ways are pleasant. They are peaceful. She provides us with confidence and courage. She provides us with sweet sleep. She is like a tree of life for those who lay hold of her. She keeps us. She guards us. And when we prize her, she puts a crown on her head. She is like the safety of feeling at home with Christmas-scented candles and homemade chicken noodle soup. That's what I think of when I think of Lady Wisdom. My wife's smiling at me because she just bought Christmas-scented candles, so I like that. (coughs) Lady Folly The Forbidden Woman, Lady Strange, the supervillain. She's quite the opposite. She only lets her subjects sleep when they've done wrong. She puts obstacles in your path so you're constantly stumbling. Her lips appear to be as sweet as honey, but in the end, they are just bitter. Her feet go down to death. Her ways wander, and she doesn't know it at all. She doesn't even know where she's going but how can you follow her? She captivates you with lies. Her speech is seductive and persuasive. She's an adulteress with smooth words. Smooth as oil, it says. And she leads her subjects like ox to the slaughter. They are even unaware of their impending doom. Her house is on the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So as Proverbs describes these two women, do you feel like you know them a little bit more? Do you get the sense and the weight of what earthly wisdom looks like and what heavenly wisdom looks like? Which of these two ladies do you think has your best interests in mind? It's obvious. Which would you follow? And which would you call your friend? <clears throat> it seems there There are some in James's audience that have wandered into obscurity with Lady Strange as they're caught quarreling here in the beginning of of chapter 4. They're quarreling, they're fighting, they're hating their brothers and sisters in the Lord. Their passions are warring within them and controlling them and mutating them. They're distorting their renewed image that they had in Jesus. And it's turning it into an image of their former self, the first Adam, They've made company with folly. And James strikes that with a sharp warning. And although James is considered the Proverbs of the New Testament, he doesn't use these characters outrelly, but instead he uses a different concept. He uses the concept of friendship. Friendship. So what is friendship? In verse 4, James says, You adulterous People do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friendship. Earlier in James, in chapter 2, it says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. So what is, what is friendship? What is friendship with God? According to the commentaries, uh, friendship in James's day indicated identification to and relationship with something or someone, identity. So to be friends with the world means to identify with its standards and its priorities. Friendship back then was taken more seriously than in today's Western world. It was a lifelong pact between people. We're shared with shared values and loyalties. So then the question is how, how do we think about friendship? How should we think about friendship? How can we be good friends? One of my favorite um, songs on friendship is actually a kid's song. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, the, it's a Sovereign Grace Kids music album called Walking with the Wise. And there's a song on there called A Good Friend. Um, and I, I think I love children's music, especially like children's worship music, because it, it's simple. And it, it, it has depth, but it's not, it's not trying to um, kind of wow you with the complexities of the music. It's just very simple and, and to the point, and it's rich. And so th- this, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to sing the song for you. I will read the song to you, but this is how it goes. Um, it says, A friend... Well, I mean, I I encourage you to check it out, though. Uh, A friend will always think of others. A friend will overlook a wrong. A friend sticks closer than a brother. A friend is patient all along. Jesus, help me be the friend you are to me. And then the chorus comes in. A good friend, a true friend, here to help you through, friend. A strong friend, a kind friend. You can have what's mine, friend. A best friend, a sure friend. A humble and a pure friend. Lord, I want to be a good friend. And then it continues. A friend will help me do the right things. A friend won't lead me into sin. A friend will help me when I stumble. And a friend will lift me up again. Jesus, help me find a friend who will make me wise. I love that. I I chills as I'm reading that. Something, is something wrong with me or is that, is that shared? I don't know. So then, then the chorus kicks back in. It's a great song. I encourage you to check it out. And I think, again, the, the beauty of a children's song is that it's, it's simple, it's clear, and it's just it's this fun little ditty. It doesn't distract you, but it pulls you into the, 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 the richness of the words. And really, as I said those words, I mean, that's just Proverbs. I'm just reading Proverbs in the, in the form of a short song that focuses on friendship. And so, true friendship... Then it's not just something that, um, yeah, tr- true friendship isn't something that someone just does certain things with you and that's it, but but it has a trajectory. It has a goal to it. It's leading somewhere. And having true friendship and a good friendship doesn't mean it's devoid of hardship. It means that you share in your hardship with one another. We are to bear each other's burdens as Paul says in Galatians. And as he says in Philippians, he says, consider others more important than yourself. A good friend considers the interests of others and not just their own. And that means when there's something hard that you have to tell a friend, that you do so with confidence, that they will hear you and they will understand you and they'll be thankful for your criticism that you received instead of rejecting you because you don't agree with them 100% of the time. This, and this isn't really, this isn't something that's negotiable. James is saying this is essential. This is essential to having good, healthy, vibrant, godly community, and the people that he's writing to here are not doing that. One of my favorite quotes about friendship is actually from uh, Oscar Wilde. He says, a true friend stabs you in the front not in the back. So who is the true friend among you? Who will gladly stab you in the front to tell you what you need to hear instead of talk behind your back and leave you in ignorance as they pretend to have your best interests in mind? That kind of friend sounds like the forbidden woman. Whereas Lady, Stra- Lady Wisdom might tell you to your face what's wrong, but she'll also give you a room in her house to sleep in as you recover from the wounds. I mean, Jesus told Peter to his face, get behind me, Satan. But then he stayed with him, and he kept teaching him, and he kept dwelling with him. He didn't say that, peace out, and say, deal with your wounds on your own. He knew Peter would ultimately betray him, and he stayed with him. He stabbed him, like, right in the front. That was, that's right in the face that he stabbed him. So what does it mean, then, to have friendship with God as Abraham did? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Abraham believed God against all odds. Abraham believed that God would be faithful to his promises and now in our friendship with God, we too must share that. We must believe that he will be faithful and we must, we must believe and trust by faith. We believe him. We are confident in him. We believe his promises that he has given us and everything that he has done for us has been because he's a faithful God. So we believe that going forward, he will also be faithful. It just makes sense. He's been faithful in the past, he's faithful in the present, he will be faithful in the future. And the problem with the Israelites is they didn't believe that. They'd enjoy the blessing of a renewed relationship when God was merciful to them, but sure enough, shortly after that, they would stumble again. They'd given to false idols. they give given to false gods, or they give given to idols and false gods. And this is why James says so strongly, you adulterous people, they have abandoned God. They have made friends with the world. They have strayed from God. They have stopped believing with him. They don't have friendship with God. Friendship with God looks like repentance. Friendship with God looks like confession. Friendship with God doesn't look like, oh, I hope he doesn't find out and run away they don't have friendship with God they have friendship with the world which means they become enemies of God and this is the same exact tactic of Lady Strange she wants us to form friendship with her so that we aren't friends we're enemies of Lady Wisdom and lead us into the clutches of death she leads us down this wayward path into adultery from God she has seduced us into believing that our passions and priorities are paramount, our passions and priorities, and nothing will stand in our way. And if something does, we'll kill, we'll murder. Look at these three verses here. This is is what James says. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This forbidden woman has tarnished our ability to reason and to reconcile. She has enticed our desires so much they war within us, and we will do anything. We would, we would murder to make sure that we get our own way. So we're filled with this rage, and we do not exhibit what James talks about the end of chapter three: this peace, patience, purity, gentleness, open to reason, impartial, and sincere. But we covet, when we don't get our way. We fight, we quarrel. Our friendship with the world has trained us to be spoiled and entired entitled, even in the way that we ask, James says. We do as my one-year-old son says, mine, 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 mine. It's not yours. Mine, 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 mine. It drives the older kids crazy. It's not yours. It's not yours. We do not ask as if we're sitting at the feet of Lady Wisdom. How would we ask differently if we were at sitting at the feet of Lady Wisdom? We would ask patiently. We'd bring our request before her, and we'd wait until she gave us an answer. And frankly, I think James is upset here because they're not acting like friends. They're not considering others as important as themselves. They're not thinking about their friends in the way that Proverbs encourages us to. And so I think James brings up this concept of friendship to remedy this problem to show that if you're you're acting this way, you're friends with the world, and that's at odds with being friends with God. He knows that our behavior is heavily influenced by the people we hang around with or the lady we hang around with. James's message to his readers is this. You hang around the wrong people. You're influenced by the wrong stuff. Why do you quarrel? You guys aren't friends. You don't care for one another. We don't consider others more important than ourselves. We, we, we don't have the same mind. We are not of one accord. We don't look out for each other's interests. We look out for the interests of self. Or, as James says earlier in chapter one, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then, when when desire when desire is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Worldliness, friendship with the world, is the result of having a lack of wisdom. False, manipulative desires are the result of a lack of peace. But Lady Strains isn't just out to make our life frustrating and challenging, less ideal than it could be. She's out to kill us. Proverbs 7 says, Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Friendship with her is enmity toward God. If you follow her paths, you are at war with God. You are his enemy. If you spend too much time with her, you'll end up dead. So what do we do? For James, the solution to our problem is actually pretty simple. Resist the devil, draw near to God. Resist the devil and draw near to God. Sounds easy, but it says, submit yourself to God. Humble yourself and call out to the Lord for help. The answer is humility. Humble yourself. Admit you are helpless and powerless and submit to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All of these things James is saying here is just an echo of Lady Wisdom herself. One author puts it like this. As people align their lives with God, the result becomes a growing resistance to the temptations of the devil, and he loses any foothold and must flee. Proverbs repeatedly says over and over, fear, fear. Fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And so in humility, we need to acknowledge this truth. We need to submit ourselves to God, ordering our lives under God's authority and will. The more we seek God, the more we will live in accordance to his wisdom. The closer we will grow to his purity and his holiness. When we move toward God, it's pretty amazing. We move toward God he reciprocates he's not hard to find you don't have to search under things you move toward him and he will draw near to you and so that's his grace toward us that he provides this way to approach him we approach him and the reason we can approach him we know Hebrews we have confidence to approach him because we have a great high priest we have confidence to draw near to the throne of God he's torn the veil we can enter into his presence no longer all these rituals and sacrifices to get a, a, a glimpse and a taste, but rather we have full access to God. We can draw near to God any because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, friendship with God is the keeper of wisdom. Friendship keeps us there. It's much harder to be enticed by Lady Strange when you're hanging out with Lady Wisdom all the time. She doesn't like Lady Wisdom. If you smell of the pleasant fragrance of Lady Wisdom, Lady Strange is going to be repelled by that. She doesn't want to be near that. But if you smell of her, her home and the scented candles and fresh baked cookies and chicken noodle soup, Lady Strange doesn't like chicken noodle soup. So that's, that's it. Draw near to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Spend more time with Lady Wisdom. And this is why I think the personification of the two wisdoms is so important because we can imagine this it's not a series of checklists and routines of what you need to do to to follow god it's not a uh, uh it's it's not like oh here's how you be wise make sure you check these off every day did i do this to do that did i not do this no it's people spend time with lady wisdom spend more time with her don't spend any time with lady strange and in our context here in james chapter 4 he wants you to know if the world has you in its fangs, you're t- spending too much time with the world. You need to work on your friendship with God. And if that's a hard thing to imagine, think of, uh, think of a good friend that you have. Best example of a friend. It, it could be your spouse. It could be your sibling. It could be your parent. It, it could be your kid. Who is a good friend of yours? Someone who's close. <clears throat> Are you more aware of who they are and what they need and what they want and what they're excited about and what they're afraid of when you spend more time with them or less. When you spend more time with your best friend, do you know them better? Yeah, obviously. And so I love how James uses the word friend to talk about our relationship, really to everything, but especially our relationship with God because friend almost has this this uh, equality to it. it. It's approachable. It's relational. It's not multi, um, it's just, it's, it's simple. It's, it's when you hang out with a friend, you don't need to think about how you're going to hang out with them. You just, you just do it. You just hang out. You just enjoy the time with them. And I think the, the great thing about a friend, too, is each party has a responsibility. You might have friends that that don't, don't think that way, that you, you pour into to everything. It doesn't, doesn't really work well. It's not a good friend. A good friend has both parties bringing something to the table. And I think we, we kind of push away from this idea of friends with God. because it, it might feel irreverent, but again, you know, James calls Abraham a friend of God. We need to embrace that, that that's the kind of relationship we have with the Father because of who Jesus is. Again, he's given us full access to God to approach him as a friend. And this is our responsibility. Now, God's responsibility is providing us with, the, with, with his spirit and with this, this comfort of he is faithful to his promises and he will deliver. And our responsibility is to just draw near. Just draw near to God and be shaped by him. So we're urged to draw near, to humble ourselves, to submit to him, to be friends with him, because there's only one other alternative than friendship with God, and that's friendship with the world. There is no neutral position when it comes to friendship. You're either friends with God or friends with the world, and that's it. And so if you're not cultivating friendship with the, with the Lord, and then, then I think you're, you're starting to wander down the woods into Lady Strange's house, deep into the forest, and who knows what kind of food she's preparing. It's not chicken noodle soup. It's like I don't know, some gross soup. (laughs) So So think about your relationship with God like you would a friend of yours, someone close to you. What do you do to enrich your friendship with your spouse or your brother or sister? You spend time with them. You listen to them. You think about them. You get creative and you engage in different ways with them. Sometimes it's a bit silly, but those silly memories are actually the strong bonds that keep you together. And so I think James brings up this word friendship because he wants us to do the same thing with God. The Israelites had their own practices. In, in verses eight and nine, it talks about hand washing, cleansing, or cleansing hands, purifying hearts laments, those are the rituals back then to, to draw themselves to the Lord. And, and we have similar things like that today too. We have, we have our own rituals. We have our own liturgies that we do. And so what are yours? I mean, we have the privilege of opening the scripture everywhere we go. We, have the, we, can, read, we can read God's word on our phone. Anywhere. We can listen to it in the car or on the bus. We have the privilege to connect with God through prayer at, at any time, in a very direct way, because again, our high priest not only opened the way, but is continually interceding for us. We can pray whenever we want. Maybe for you, maybe for some of you, you enjoy journaling, writing down your thoughts, processing that way. It helps you to know what's going on in your heart when you write it down and think about the Lord in that way. What about listening to music or you know playing worship music, listening to worship music? I mean, there are very few things that pierce my heart like, A good, biblically rich song that just awakens me out of my slumber. I could be reading the scriptures all morning. Sometimes reading doesn't connect with me. But then I'll hear a song in the car to work, and it it will just melt me. Why is that? Why is that? So think about what helps you draw near to the Lord. We live in a very distracted world. Every day, something else is vying for your attention, and so we need to be proactive and not fall asleep, but think about what, what draws us near? What can improve our friendship with God? So what is it? What's a, what's a part of your liturgy that helps you do that? Maybe it's your environment. Maybe the scenery around you. Maybe it's a special chair that you wake up in the morning and you sit and you sit down there and it helps you remove all the distractions. Maybe you like the outdoors. You like to sit outside. You like the, the view of the mountains. Uh, you like the view of, of nature. You like to breathe in fresh air. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe it's the beach and the sound of ocean. the ocean. Maybe it's food. Maybe you love to cook and to eat. And when you eat, it, it, it reminds you of how good God is to provide us with taste buds and, and textures that we can enjoy. You think of God's intentionality and his creativity. And, and I know for me and many others, coffee, man, it's great. Coffee is delicious. It wakes you up. It's hot. It's warm. It gives you that boost that you need. And, and for me, the, even the making of the coffee, the, the grinding the beans and pouring the water, that, that reminds me that I'm about to approach God's presence and engage, with, engage my friendship with him. And so think of these things. Use your senses. Be a little, be a little different with how you draw to, near to the Lord. Because I think it lowers that barrier with how you draw near to God. It's hard if you have to do, if you have to be very serious and composed in it all the time. Because you're never going to get there every day. And then when you don't get that, then you're going to say, well, I don't have time for it. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it the next day. I'll do it the next day. I mean, I used to, I used to criti- criticize certain forms of, of worship because they were manipulative. But forget about that. Listen, if I need to be manipulated so I can engage with the Lord, then manipulate me. I want to be manipulated. I want to hear the, you know, the buildup of the song and all these things. Do that. Do that to me because I need that. Because otherwise, I just say, oh, that's, I'll, I'll get to you later, Lord. I'll build, work my friendship later. No. Whatever allows you to connect, whatever removes that barrier from you to draw near to the Lord, do it. Do it. Because it's too easy to say, I'll have a better routine when my twins are two or five or ten. A uh, better routine when they go off to school. I'll have a better routine when, I, when, yeah, when school starts. Summer is hard, school starts. Well, school starts in the fall. Well, now it's, uh, we have too many home projects. So once we're done with these home projects, then I'll, then I'll get to a good routine of drawing years to the Lord. Well, then once those are done, more are going to come up. Everything's always going to interfere with your relationship with the Lord. Again, the world wants you. Lady Strange wants you to go to her house You need to be focused on your relationship with the Lord. Prioritize that. One of my favorite authors says, we're not just thinking things, we're desiring creatures. We need to think about our relationship with the Lord outside of just this one myopic way. And so we need to open God's word. We need to know God's word so that we can enjoy him in all these aspects of life. But sometimes if you read the scripture and does something that doesn't connect, don't give up. Sometimes in the day-to-day life, the truths of God's word will, will start to burst and burgeon and reveal to you who he is. So just spend time in the word. Think, process, journal. Draw near to him in that way and then draw near to him in other ways too. I think another in very important thing is to be a part of a good community, church community. Um, one of my favorite things to say to people is surround yourself with people who are better than you. Because the more time you spend with those kinds of people, you'll become like them. Surround yourself with people who are, you know, who are better than you. Because I know, I'm, I'm this kind of amalgamation of my parents and my mentors and my friends and my coaches. You're, you're just this kind of this picture of all of the people you surround yourself with, your friends. And so, you know, do that. I think one thing that was really influential for me was in my last job, I got to spend time with these really faithful men that were 10, 15 years older than me. And there was eight of them and I spent almost all my time with them. And that, I don't even know how much benefit that brought into my life. But that was extremely formative for me. And that sort of friendship has changed me and shaped me to be the kind of person I am today. And I look forward to seeing what kind of friends I have today shape me to be the kind of person I will be 5, 10, 15 years from now. And so think about those people. Who are those people? Who do you want to be like? Who do you not? Spend time with the people you want to be like. Spend time with Lady Wisdom. Avoid Lady Strange. And I think the reason these characters are so strong is because you can see them, not just through all throughout the scripture. You can say, ooh, that's Lady Wisdom. That's Lady Strange. That's Lady Wisdom, Lady Strange. But you can see that in your day-to-day life as well. I don't know if I should do that. That seems like something Lady Wisdom, or Lady Strange would say. I really should do that. That seems wise and good for me. Pour into it. It's gonna take time. But make those good decisions each day. Draw near to the Lord. You can. You can. Tra- you can draw near to the Lord. That's pretty amazing. Um, so just like our friend group, just like our spouse or our best friend, when we draw near to them, we, we start to slowly look like them. When we draw near to God, we start to look and smell like him. The, the spirit will change our thoughts and attitudes and character. He'll even change our mannerisms. Have you ever noticed like if you hang out with somebody, you start to do, you start to have the same mannerisms as the other person? That's incredible. We just, we just imitate people. We imitate people all the time. And we don't even realize it. We just do what other people do without thinking about it. It's kind of like, I'm going to talk about coffee again. It's kind of like my coffee pot. It is stained brown from all the coffee that I make in it. I can't even scrub it clean. It's just brown. The only way I can get rid of the brown stain is by buying a new carafe. That's that's what I want your friendship with God to look like. It is stained with the presence of God. Or maybe um, something that, you know, you go to a bonfire and your clothes just smell of smoke, the, the, the burning fire of, uh, of the wood and the smoke. And you, not only do you need to change your clothes when you get home, but it's like it's soaked into your skin. You need to shower in order to not make your, you know, th- your bed all smell like smoke. and bon- I mean, that, this is what I'm talking about. We need to, like, well, how, how, do, how does that happen? Well, you sit at a fire with smoke blowing your face for three hours. That's how that happens. Or the coffee sits in there all day long and turns the inside of that thing brown. You need to sit in the presence of God all the time and let his love just soak into your skin. Because that's what God does. He penetrates the surface. He sits. And if we do this every day, every morning, for a year, for five years, for ten years, for a lifetime. We will not only possess the good fruits of wisdom, but be able to share those with others. We will be that friend to others that helps them draw closer to the Lord. We will exhibit peace, gentleness, openness to reason, and healthy disagreements, sincere, we will be impartial. And as James says, we uh, we will be a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. When we draw near to God as friends with God, he fills our life with peace. <clears throat> this is the kind of serenity brought about by Lady Wisdom. She welcomes us into the, the garden city of new creation, seeing life how it's meant to be. Being a friend of God is like being a supercharged version of yourself. Friendship with God brings you to where you were supposed to be. But we need to stay in it. A friendship is never maximized. A friendship is never maximized. I can't tell Caroline, my wife, that uh, I think we've hung out enough. I think we're good. Like, I think we, we don't need to hang out anymore because we just, thanks, bud. Uh, we've reached peak spousal friendship. No, I mean, that's insane. If someone says that to, uh, to you, go tell Matthew and he'll, he'll slap them. <laughs> this just doesn't happen. You can't reach peak friendship. You always have to be engaged with it. You don't reach it and say, oh, I'm good to go. I'm, I don't think we need to engage for a year. That's never going to work. You're going to lose touch. You're not going to have a strong friendship. A friendship isn't something you build up, reach that point and say, we're done. A friendship is something that's ongoing. It's lifelong. It's eternal. So as we draw near to God and have this glimpse and taste of heaven, our friendship with him is, is, is heaven coming down to earth. And we not only can experience it, but share with others, but we need to be in it constantly, all the time. Because, again, the seduction of the world is constant. Now that's why. Seduction of the world is constant, so our friendship with God needs to be constant. But the beauty is the more you have friendship with God, the more that siren's call is faint. starts tasting like an unsalted rice cake. It's disgusting. And so <laughs> we no longer have to speak of hatred and murder of our brothers. We don't have to get so bothered by their, their uh, quirks that, that annoy us, but we can sit and understand and be patient with them. We don't have, no longer have to give in to verbal murder, as James pretty much talks about here, Tearing down people because they, they bother us. We can sit with them and be patient. And so when we draw near to God and have friendship with God, we start to act differently. We start to think differently. At the end of this, it talks about planning and, and making trips and all that stuff. I just think that's talking about how we, we plan differently when we're friends with God. We don't, we don't plan like the world. We plan with wisdom. Um, and so, in closing... I think what James chapter 4 gets at is do not flirt with being a friend of the world. It will lead to death. It will lead you away from the Lord. It is enmity with God. And so he says submit yourselves to God. Humble yourself. Draw near to him. Sit in his presence. Sit long. Let him shape and mold you until you look more like him than the world. Because don't you know it matters who your friends are. And friendship with the world is enmity with God. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for just the, the beautiful descriptions uh, you, th- that are in your word. It's things that we focus on today, like Lady Wisdom and, and Lady Strange. And we, we can imagine who these people are. And we want to avoid Lady Strange. We want to cling to Lady Wisdom, Lord, but we need you. We need you to work in our hearts. Lord, humble us. Help us submit to you. Thank you for the work of Jesus to open this way that we can have a relationship with the the creator of the universe. And I pray that we utilize that. We draw near to you. We draw near to you and are shaped and molded by you, Lord. That's our prayer. May we we be just inspired by what James says here, to pursue you differently and anew this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.